and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes 17 and 18 of Alchemy of Souls. We're almost done! Next week is our finale episode, right? It's 20 episodes? Yes, Um, it's 20. And it feels like we've had some... These episodes did not feel like finales. They have felt like build-up to a finale. They have felt good. I am getting way too in my head about there being a second season, because I'm like, they're doing a great job with the wrap-up. They're doing the the final four episode ramp-up. Everything's going wild. This is completely unexpected stuff. I'm loving it. It's overdramatic. It's crazy. It's romantic. And um, why is there... Why is there another season? No, we can wrap this up. We can make this perfect. Stick the landing, guys. Yeah, don't leave anything on the table. Ra- I want I want everything wrapped up so much, it stresses me out because I cannot <laughs> deal with the fact that they probably will, by design, leave some stuff on the table for them to confront in season two, and I'm out here losing my mind. These last two episodes... We're so good. Yeah, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. I, okay, here's the thing. I thought they were both bangers. Amazing episodes. Yes. Weirdly, I liked episode 17 better because it had me stressed out in a good way that I am, I, because I was stressed and kind of mad about stuff, but I was like, I liked it. And that is... Usually in the moment, I don't like it. It's usually more like episode 18, where in the moment, I'm really stressed out, and then I get to the end, and I'm like, that was such a good episode. <laughs> um, something okay, about 17. I can kind of see that, because they were both really stressful, but I think 18, for all of its wonderful horror and thriller elements that I thought would make me hooked... I think 18 had more parts where I was like, I just want to skip. I just want a 10 second skip or five second skip even. Just skip a little bit. Just skip a little bit. I would have been fine with so much of it if we also didn't have the whole they can't use. And right, it raised the stakes that they couldn't use any magic. They couldn't use any of their energy. But it also made it, the stakes were so high that I was really stressed, especially because we finally <laughs> had to confront the fact that we've seen Seoyul fight so many times and do the most amazing job. And every single time we've talked about it, and every single time we have fangirled over him, and every single time we've been like, actually, I can't remember why anyone is romantically interested in anyone except Seoyul. <laughs> um, and he's just that good. He's just that good. And he was still very good, but I remember the t- the time before this that he fought, and I had the thought of, oh, he doesn't have main character armor, because he was the only one on the field fighting. Like, they they brought in lone super so- soldier Seo Yul that time, and I was stressed then because it drove home, oh, they could use him as plot fodder to hurt me, because I love him, and he doesn't have main character armor. And they keep putting him in these indescribably dangerous situations. And then they did it this time, but they took away his superpowers. That's fair. And I was a bit much. so stressed. I was so, so stressed. Oh, no. I will, like, this is a side rant. I will say it is a bit disappointing that it's come down to just him. When I thought it would be him and Park Dong-gu, who went back and forth being our good boys put in dangerous situations. And I get that Park Dong-gu didn't want to be part of the love triangle, or the love, so many sides, so many sides to this love thing. Um, I get it. But it kind of also sucks that I genuinely forgot he existed for most of these two episodes, because he was so unnotable. He was just written off to do whatever Choyeon was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted So Yul and Park Dong-gu to be together. Those two good boys together. Bros. But now So Yul's gonna die for the sake of the story. 
Because Park Dong-gu is off doing a love story on his own with the worst character, the character who did not deserve any love story. Yeah. My least favorite character in probably the whole show. And yeah, Park Dong-gu, at least he... He is very, we've got to give credit where credit is due. He played a big part in catching on to, I love when the golden retriever is actually smart in his own right, and he catches on to what's going on, and he's like, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> so we can't actually go back, because um, <laughs> I know something you don't know. <laughs> I was surprised you told her. Me I felt too. like that did make me believe a little bit more in their relationship. I was like, you could have sat on that secret for a long time. Yeah, and had that be part of the conflict of the relationship, that he had to keep this big thing from her, and he wanted to tell her, but he simply couldn't, and he was like, no, that would be dumb, I'll just tell her. It's also it's funny because you don't really know his reasoning, like it might be because he loves her, it might be because he acknowledges that Jin Cho-yun is the worst, has no loyalties to anyone, mm -hmm. and would not do anything with this information, which is my theory. My theory, it's useless to tell her anything because you never know sh how she'll react except that she'll probably do nothing with it. Yeah. And good for Park dong for acknowledging that. Right? Like, she, she doesn't really have political aspirations, which is fine. It's, it makes her, honestly, one slight point in her corner better that she doesn't have political aspirations and she doesn't really give a shit. She just wants to be in love, which is meh. But uh, yeah, she she doesn't have political aspirations, so she's not going to use it for political gain. And I think she does care about her mother, but she's very afraid of her. So it could honestly go either way with her telling her where she might hide it because she's afraid of being the person who breaks that news and having her mom not believe her. But she also might also be like, hey, I've got to tell my mom about this. Or, ugh, worst case scenario, she's like, I've got to tell my dad about this. Oh, no. That is one thing that I'm like, oh, Park dong you do need to be sure she doesn't try to tell her dad, because he might just be like, oh, she's my beloved daughter, but... But, time she, to die. If she gotta go, she gotta go. You know, we're all fighting for survival out here, and she doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fair. I did not think that far ahead. That's probably what's gonna happen, just for the sake of the drama. But, um... Low stakes. I don't really care about Jin Shoyan. Mm -mm. What I do care about? Soyo. His life was very much in danger. All I wanted with my whole heart was for Mudok to save him and expose herself as a soul shifter and be in great danger, but also save Soyo. Please? Um, nope. on that note, I'm so sorry. I don't want to cut that off. I already did. Yeah, I already okay. did once. <laughs> I, uh,. That it just made me think about how I really, really need to talk about where we're at character development-wise with Mujok. Okay. Because the thing is, is I thought that we were a little bit further than I'm willing to kill all of the people in this room <laughs> to get what I want. <laughs> I did think we were a little bit further than that. I, I'm willing I to kill all be of- more hesitation. Yeah. I'm willing to kill all of the people in this room, including two people who have become fairly close friends of mine and saved my life multiple times, and then one person I'm in love with whose life is tied up with mine- and um, has sacrificed, and I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like Jungkook has always done the right thing. He's been a fucking problem so many times. <laughs> but I also think that, um, yeah, I th I think that we've seen his character grow, and I thought we were watching Mujuk grow alongside him in a lot of ways. Naksu, I guess, if we're referring to her as the person who she technically is to either convolute or keep things straight. I can't tell. But I think we, that's what, I just thought that she had also grown with time after she, you know, learned her father was killed by the person who trained her to be an assassin and that no one w that she thought was on her team was on her team and that no one who she thought was against her was specifically against her. Um, which is to say she still grew up living a pretty ruthless and solitary life, so I get that that's still 
in her somewhere. I just thought that as we saw Jungkook take more personal responsibility and grow as a character, we were also watching her learn through both through his like what he was doing, but also her own, you know, lived experiences through that as well. We're kind of teaching her maybe she's not so alone in the world and she doesn't have to live ruthlessly to get whatever she wants and kill so many people to get whatever she wants. That's fair. I very much took that episode at face value and was like, that's the character they've written is this ruthless killer who's just like, I want my power back. That was the promise I made. I was going to teach this guy how to use magic and he was going to get me my power back. And we're at that stage and it sucks that everybody has to die. But, you know, here we are. But to your point, that's very regressive and it feels like it undermines any forethought or goals that she has where her end goal now seems to just be power and it kind of sucks that they're like and she's never thought past that she's never thought of what she would do with the power she used to know she used to be like i'm gonna go back to my life as an awesome assassin and kill all the people who wronged my family but we've found out that she cannot go back to that and the people who she thought wronged her family maybe hadn't so has she never thought for a moment like what is my goal now what am i gonna do as naksu she's presented with the opportunity to return to her life and she's just like yeah i guess all these people have to die this is it for me she's very conflicted but yeah very like this is it for me here we go um this is what I promised myself so long ago, and I've never gone back on a promise to me. Yeah. And it's like, but what are you going to do after? What does the rest of your life look like? You're going to go into Jinmu's body and then just, like, be Jinmu for yeah. no reason? Like, a hated man who has so many enemies and... To what end, I guess? And, yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's like... Like you said, the circumstances with which she was supposed to get her powers back to accomplish her goals has completely changed. I'm not saying her goals have to change, but it just seems logical that they would in light of the evidence that has been presented. (laughs) She's a smart person. She's a brilliant woman. And she's easily the smartest person in this entire character board the chess board <laughs> of characters we've got going she is the one who i genuinely in my heart of heart thinks has the most wits and it just seems like it doesn't connect that she's still dead set on getting her powers back because what she was going to do was kill the reason she trained so hard was to get the powers to avenge her family and there's not the the vengeance looks completely different now so is it to get her powers back to avenge her family but instead kill Jin Mu at which point it's like why would you entertain the idea of being Jin Mu if that's the case is that how you're gonna kill him I guess yeah there's just a million things where I'm like you've seen the enemies he has you've seen what he's been up to you've seen so many of his plots and you're still like "Eh, could be him could be him and just make myself a bunch of new enemies overnight. I guess to that point, it is, it's hard because it's coming from the most clever, most intelligent woman in this entire world. Yeah. But to your point, it feels like when she is presented with having her powers back, she's just kind of overwhelmed with it to yeah. the extent that she's like, the first three people I can think of transferring my soul into their bodies. The King, Jinmu, Park Jin. And genuinely, if she had put any second of thought into that, we know she would have been like, those all sound like miserable lives. I don't want to live as them. Um, pass. But it's just that moment of like, how much power can I get with this magic? I've got the magic power. Now I want the clout, the, the social power. And these are the three most powerful men that I know. Yeah. And so it makes sense in that very short-term, small way. But yeah, it's it's frustrating to have more of the episode be about her just 
choosing this and being like, I don't know who I'm going to soul shift into, but it's definitely going to be worth it, even if I kill all the men I've ever loved and all these other mages, just to be able to live as the king for no reason. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. There is no <laughs> there is no thought at all. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing. But uh, all's well that ends well. She really, she puts down that sword. And that's all I needed. Yeah. That was Don't keep going with this plan. Very romantic. Very, that very romantic. That was a romantic. good romance. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, where are my people? Get in the room. Let's start a watch party right now just for the last five minutes of this episode. Because people need to see this moment. Yeah. It is, oh, it's so good. Did you think that Jungkook was dead? I know this is the weak cop-out answer. I thought they weren't going to tell us. I was just waiting for the, the thing to end. I thought any second would be the cliffhanger. Either the door is closed, there's the cliffhanger. The door opens, she fights the soul shifter. We can't see into the room yet, but we know it's dead. She starts walking in, tears on her face. End credits. We're there. We have no idea what's happening. We don't you get know. the shadow of Jungkook behind her. No, end credits. Like, yeah. I was just waiting for the end credits. I had no idea what was going to happen next. That would have been so good. That would have been... No, I would have hated it, Raquel. No. It would have been a nightmare, for sure. A nightmare. But the actual stress that I would have felt had they not confirmed one way or another um, and gone through the whole thing of her choosing to put down the sword because even if they had revealed it as Jungkook but then they had him say his line of it's time to make your decision you've drawn your sword what's it going to be and then they stopped it I would have pressed play I would have pressed play. I would have spoiled it for all of you no loyalty to this club I would have pressed play on the next episode I would have too I would in a second I would have because I needed to know I needed to know because the thing is is I want to believe I wanted to up until the point that she had made the decision to kill everyone I wanted to believe that she wouldn't do that yes. But I thought there might be something that she would do to kill them and then try to use the power of the Ice Stone to bring at least Jungkook back. Oh. So I wondered if she might do the murder anyway. I didn't think of that. That's fair. So it's not completely like, I will kill everyone for this power. It's a little bit redeemable, but really dark. Yeah. I oh, still wouldn't I, have oh. liked it. Especially after... So, I think that they did something so... It is... It's in entertaining and it's... I don't want to imply I didn't like it, but it is incredibly morbid, the way they played her death. Oh my god! Of Almost... It's. It was like... Almost gladiator style, which is to say they gathered an audience for the viewing pleasures of the elite to watch a servant girl die and ideally be resurrected because we've heard the power of this stone, but it's never been observed. Like, no, no one in this room who has observed it is speaking up as someone who's observed it. So the vast, the person who presented the idea and the vast majority of the people in this room are willing to straight up use power dynamics to pressure a young servant girl into being murdered in front of their eyes on the promise that she would be resurrected, because we're pretty sure we know how this thing works, even though we've never seen it in play. Yeah, to your point, everyone is definitely to blame. But just in that initial moment, I was pretty lukewarm on the king before then. Even yeah. a little bit hopeful that he would be sort of like the crown prince, but with clear anxiety issues. Like, he's definitely got a lot on his mind all the time. Mm -hmm. He's a he kind of worries me because he's always freaked out about stuff. But you're like maybe he's more like his son than like his soul shifted evil wife. I don't know. There's hope for him until that moment. That yeah. he, I felt like he went off the rails and nobody really seemed surprised. No one seemed surprised or bothered. Really, the only yeah. person who was bothered was 
Park Jin. And even then, I, it just feels like... I know that Park Jin's position had just been attacked and completely undermined, so I get that he didn't really have the power to veto that if, you know, uh, Mujak was volunteering and everything, like he said as much as well. But I just don't understand the idea that there was any amount of, like, there, there was no other human being in the room when you know when park jin is the voice of reason that shit has gone (laughs) off the rails it's gone sideways in there it was a bad room yeah just all around yeah it was so bad and i just can't they've set up this system where we it feels like we have checks and balances and there's clearly defined goods and evils and reasons that they've labeled things as evil and then there are gray areas but those gray areas are still like there's scrutiny across most levels of power on those gray areas where it's like some are more for it some are more against it it feels like such a jump that every person of power in that room was pretty much down for for what the king proposed. That was a lot. That's fair. That as much as they all wanted the ice stone and were willing to fight about that feels very different than all of these people just being totally okay with reckless murder. Mm-hmm. And they were. They were proper fine with it. Nobody would even question it. And maybe there was just not enough screen time to give the reaction shots of all of these people being like, I'm really uncomfortable. I am terribly uncomfortable, but I would never speak against the king. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, it felt like these are all mages who are almost equivalent to the king. Yeah. Not, not, definitely not equal, but enough that they could be like, Who? Buddy, what are you talking about? Yeah, because they're more like a council, and they're the authorities on magic. Like, the king is obviously not a mage. That's the whole thing, right? Is that he doesn't have magic. He He's curious about all of these things, but he doesn't have magic. And all of these counselors on this giant voting board of how magic should and should not be used were too afraid of the guy who doesn't have the magic to speak up about how fucked that was. Insane. Insane. An insane premise. Yes. And I mean, the lady of the Jin household continues to disappoint, just like her daughter. Like mother, like daughter. (laughs) Because she has just gone so far off of the rails, and I really wanted more from her as a person, and we're just not getting it. And she's only capable of showing remorse or kindness to her one daughter, I guess, her one single daughter. Like, she only had a moment of regret when she realized, I couldn't tell if she realized that she killed her daughter, I could tell she was not fully sold on the So Yi being Booyan thing, but she was, but she wasn't. Like, she kept having moments of, like, oh. oh definitely not. Yeah. No, I think after her conversation with Jin Mu, she was like, oh, okay, so you're just telling me to shut up about it and be happy. I will get the ice stone. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll use it against me. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so that was a thing. But I, yeah, I guess to me it's like, it doesn't make it, it it honestly only makes her worse for me that the only time she had fear or regret about murdering a young woman was when she realized it was likely her daughter. Fair, yeah. That's so, uh, everything about that is, uh, that whole scene is obviously, I can't stop talking about it. It's sitting (laughs) real wild with me. Like, I'm just struggling with it. Because there's that moment, too, where she's like, I will kill you painlessly. And, and then Moondog's like, they're not here to see me die. They're here to see me resurrected. So, obviously, please kill me painlessly. Yeah. I thought that was just an unspoken rule of this. But sure. And then she very much does not. I don't know much about ways of dying. It feels like any way of dying is going to be pretty painful. But suffocation is just like, oh, this is... 
this is going on a long time. It's kind of slow. It takes a while for it's everything to slow. shut down. Okay. Okay, you're just watching her? You're just watching her suffocate? Everyone's okay. just... It's like watching a hanging, but a little bit less violent. Yes, but also equally as violent, because it's she's getting sucked into the air like yeah you can see the handprint you can see the handprint it's very violent and seems very painful you're doing a bad job yeah i yeah so unsettling so unsettling i think that i thought this was like a cool world that would be cool to be (laughs) in for a minute um, not that long, I guess. They pretty much from the get-go started treating women pretty terribly. But I think that I like the system of magic, and I like the world they've built so much. But it has kind of become, like, the Game of Thrones world, where I appreciate it but would never want to visit, right? I don't want to take part in the world that they've created, because it is unhinged, deranged. Yeah. Maybe this is just my actual real-life poor person coming out, but when they start episode one of the series by being like, there's homeless people here. There is a young boy and his mother who are clearly homeless, clearly starving, but there's also magic in this world. Enough magic that we can have this insanely elite class of people just tracking the stars. Like, for what? For, just for fun. For Everyone knowledge. gets a star birthday. But yes, other people do starve to death. It's like, um, I don't like this world at all. I don't like the magic system. It seems like you're doing a bad job governing things. I have a problem. Yep. If you're going to make a magic world, eradicate poverty. First things first. You can have a class system, I guess. It's hard to imagine a different way of living. But why do you have to have people starving to death? Yeah. When there's magic. When there's literal magic. There's abundance at people's fingertips. And they're just locking themselves away in fun little schools and putting on weird gladiator murders. Yes! That's all they're using their powers for is fighting each other. That's so stupid. I hate this. Yep. It's just as bad as the real world. It's too close to the real world. <laughs> and I know that if I was in the world, I would be one of the poor people. Yeah. So that's why I hate it. Yeah. The only person who's ever even said something on their behalf is jong Uk, And again, we're going back to the, if this person's the voice of reason, then there, <laughs> I get that. So we've seen a lot of growth from that young man. But every yes. once in a while, I still am reminded of the multiple times he said, well, I guess go kill yourself, Mudok, because I don't want to do what you want to do. <laughs> So <laughs> the bar is low. The he's, bar is low. He's the voice of reason. <laughs> oh, can I switch gears really quick? It's for the best. Just completely switch gears. Unhinged comment here. If I were a fan fiction writer, say I was, say I had talent, I would be going feral over the interactions between the Crown Prince and Zhang Oh my god! In episode eighteen. I mean, they've done such a good job of just, like, slow drip IV a bromance to me, right? Where at first it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but they give us little moments. They give us little moments where it's like, they say they hate each other, but they're just on the same wavelength about about shit. And so they're just, you know, we've gotten the slow drip just... Yeah, then we get the jades, and the B is in parentheses. They're like, is it romance? Is it bromance? We we don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we get the buddy cops. Going through the village, doing investigations, and we're like, now we're just sold. If you don't give it to us, it's going to break our hearts. Episode 18 is entirely just them holding hands. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Just running around holding hands and being worried about... Mostly Mudok, but like... <laughs> but maybe each other in my fanfiction. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm gonna take a writing class this weekend, just for them. Send it to... Send me your fanfic. Uh, maybe I'll hop <laughs> on... I'll hop on the fanfic websites and read a couple of... They, I mean, it's they've gotta exist, right? That's a... That is they do. the they top have to. ship for this particular world is those two. It has to be, because I like everybody else, but nobody gets my heart racing like the Crown Prince and Jonga. Yeah, I ship them. I ship them. What if they were in love? 
Mudok was in love with Seoyeol. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Then everybody's happy, right? 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 Except Seoyeol, so but so I don't really... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Both of them. <laughs> so he Rough time, but we don't really care for her. Yeah, she sucks. So you'll... Much, much conflict. I think Jong-uk very much got over the she's a soul shifter pretty quickly. Yeah. So you'll... It has really struggled there's been a been an internal battle where he does love her but <laughs> kind of like in a way that if your dog got rabies <laughs> <laughs> yeah this feels so much like oh this is gonna be spoilery and i'm sorry but i do not recommend this movie kingdom ashin of the north yes skip it skip do like a couple 10 second skips if you don't want to hear this spoiler but it's not a good movie, so, like, don't worry about it if you, <laughs> if you can't skip. Her family turns into zombies, and she locks them up to be like, they're still my family, and I'll just take care of them. I'll just feed that's them. That's part of the movie. Yeah. And that's very, that's also you could do <laughs> with Mudok. It's be like, we'll go to my fortress in the north, and we can live there, and we can never see anybody again, and then we'll never have problems. But it'll be you and me, babe. Forever. Just us. No innocent people to eat. Like, <laughs> oh, you don't have a lot of faith in her. No. Um, which is fair. Yeah. And see, my dumbass didn't even read into it because I knew he wanted to take her away to the fortress ASAP. Why didn't I? Maybe I wasn't paying attention to the imply implications or maybe I wasn't paying attention to what was probably literally written in the subtitles on the screen. But uh, I think I didn't know that the plan was to, yeah, just lock her up. I thought he was just trying to, you know, buy some time by taking her to the fortress. I mean, I don't think I realized it until I said it. Yeah, but now that you say it, it does feel very much like he was like, if we get you away from everyone and you run wild, I mean... Can't hurt anyone. You can't hurt anyone, and then I feel guilt-free about... Loving you so much, but not just killing you. That's rough. It's a it's a fine plan. I'm not gonna lie. It's about my tier of plan. And that guy's supposed to be the genius of all geniuses. So it's not a great plan. Yeah. But I get it. I get where it's coming from. Yeah. He's, he's more worried about... I mean, someone around here does need to be worried about morals on some level. I don't necessarily <laughs> think he's right, but... <laughs> <laughs> At least he's thinking about what the right thing is to do. Yeah. Yeah, he's thinking out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, Jungkook is out here saying, I will move heaven and earth and find a, an ancient and all-powerful relic to make this happen. So that's pretty cool. But so Yul is saying, what can I make happen today? <laughs> <laughs> They're both good plans. Yeah. I like that Jong-uk fully found validation in the poem where he's like, I I don't know if he is totally on the same page as everybody else being like, he's so gyom. He is the next coming of this all-time super powerful mage. I don't know if that's where Jong-uk's head is at. I like that he's very much like, I read that poem and I think that dude's will is true love. And that's what I'm going to do with the ice stone. I'm going to take it and use it for my personal gain. <laughs> I love that for him. Yeah, people are going to be so pissed when he lays that They're plan gonna out. They're going to be so pissed. They're going to just... <laughs> I mean, if they're willing to just, like murder a girl out of curiosity, what are they going to do to Jungkook when they find out that his whole play is to selfishly still use the Ice Stone to save the woman he loves? It's gonna be a massacre. <laughs> They've already gathered their armies. They're ready. It's, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious about this whole bubble that has been created around Jung Jinggok. Like, it's very cool. I have no idea if I just said that word right and now I'm self-conscious about it. I, Let's keep going. I couldn't correct you if I wanted to. I simply don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot to me. Hopefully nobody else knows it either. Um, really appreciate this bubble for the terror that it introduced. Being like, there's a killer among us and all of these mages just locked up their weapons for no reason. Like, that is horror movie tropes galore. I love it. 
but also I'm they can never drop the bubble. They can never get out of the ice stone because the consequences of leaving are not good. Nope. You just have to start a new society. Yep. You have to live inside of the ice stone forever. No one uses magic except one person. But when... But she can't. She can't. She can't because if she does and everyone finds out, then they... No. So no one uses magic. Magic is no longer a thing inside the ice stone society. We are the ice stoners. (laughs) (laughs) And we are chill about everything. Okay. Oh, it's an it's a good crew. I'm sad that Park Dong-gu is there. As I said, it sucks that they wrote him out by being like, he'll just be the romance for this other girl. I want him to be part of the crew, part of the inner sanctum that is locked in the bubble. Yeah. He deserved that much. Yeah, because every adult, I guess they're all technically adults, every adult over the <laughs> age of 30 in this show is just completely... they. Irredeemable. They're absolutely irredeemable. So I do wish that Dungu was also, yes, in the safety bubble where no- magic doesn't <laughs> exist and there's no starving people. And <laughs> <laughs> he's at the kids' table with no starving people. <laughs> That's where he belongs. <laughs> oh, he deserves that. <laughs> Cho Yan can stay with the crazies. Yeah, she's one of them, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 100%. She's the very much, like, she would be standing right by her mom to kill Mudok just to see what happened. Yeah, we're very curious. We don't mind. We're very curious. I didn't even like Mudok that much, so it, it's okay if you can't bring her back, honestly. Yeah. Oh, your your hand slipped and the ice stone didn't work? That's okay, probably. That's okay. <laughs> I believe in you, mom. Yeah. I believe you tried. Yeah. One time I embarrassed myself and used her to cover it up. So this is for the best for everyone. <laughs> I genuinely have slipped up like three or four times and blamed it on Mudok, knowing full well that she might be killed for my crimes. Yeah. And, you know, this is just an example. <laughs> I've never had a problem with her dying. <laughs> I've never had qualms with that. This is an extension of that. And honestly, I don't care. Like, Choyun, you're the worst. <laughs> I know we've made up all these things that you've said, but also they're based on past actions, so... Yeah. Also, what is up with all of the women in this show, except Maid Kim, being pretty okay with everyone just dying for them to get what they want? That just seems so... I think they made all of the women men in this show. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the point, maybe that's the underwriting... Is being like, when we make women do it, it seems a lot worse, right, guys? Right? Right. So imagine if somebody else did this. They're acting like you. They're acting like men. I don't... Yeah, because we've got Maid Kim and Doctor... Oh, yeah. Something. Hyo? Hyo Yoon. Yeah, that's as far as I got. Yoon... Yoonok? Yoonok? I think that's right. Hyo Yoonok. Maybe? I am... I should not be as sure as I am. I feel like that's it. It's probably fine because they introduced her as maybe somebody who could do something and very quickly wrote her into the box of second female lead. They were just like, she is one of the coolest, most capable doctors of this universe. And yet all she does is occasionally heal people and mostly just show up in moments where Mudok and Jungkook just need, like, a moment. Just yeah. need a moment together. Yeah, so, like, she just adds a little spicy conflict to their romance. Isn't that fun? And it's like, what would be more fun is having a, a female lead, just a character who isn't just a woman and a murderer, is actually... <laughs> that would be cool. I'd take it. Um, I'd take it. The bar's low. Yeah. Yeah. No, I still love her. So far, I love her, even though they have not given her enough. She's working with next to nothing, but she is... I, I'm i going to support her till I die, because she's the closest they've given us to a very, very capable magic user who's a woman and is not completely self-interested. That's fair. The bar is very low, but I think... Oh, now thinking about it, Jewel also fits this. 
I just love women who have been written into these roles as they exist purely for men and are just don't fit that. They're just like, no, I'm just living my life. I'm not here to like stir the pot. I'm not here to hit on people all the time or create a bunch of misunderstandings. And I know that's the writer's work as well, but hear me out. She's just there to make Jungkook fall in love with her. And yet she's not trying. Like she used to be like kind of trying and I get that. He's a hottie. Mm -hmm. But now she's just existing and everyone else is like, are you guys maybe in love? Neither of them are into that. They're both pretty just bros now. And I love that for her. Yeah. But again, the bar is pretty low if that's my expectation of women is just to be like, they're not there to cause drama. They're not actively working against other women. And that's great. Yeah. They're, they're women supporting women and women supporting being cool and good. And, and I like that. And we've, she's that. We've got one of them. I do, I do love Mujak despite how I feel like there's been some character regression in this past episode. Uh, in episode 18, particularly. But that said, I just, so I like when a woman plays a feminine character and her strength isn't robbed from her by displaying classically feminine assigned traits, like being gentle and kind and good. And, and she's still considered strong and intelligent and capable. And I think that that's what what she gives us kind of over Mudok because Mudok is hardened and also incredibly intelligent, uh, a really strong character. We love her. She fucking rocks. Um, I just like, I like a character that is kind and that's not a weakness and is, you know, gentle and that's not a weakness and still fucking rocks. <laughs> Also, that's fair. I feel like we get that from Yunok. Is that what we decided her name was? Yeah. Um, her maid Kim and Jewel. Yes. I think those are three awesome ladies who are all very kind, very intelligent, very capable, and very womanly, mm-hmm. very feminine. That's good writing. Yeah, we love it. We love it. I. I don't know what, how we're doing on time. I don't want to do the math right now. I <laughs> think it would be a crime if we did not talk about one of my favorite scenes in any drama in a really long time, which is the crown prince being rejected by Mudok. Maybe for the last time? That was so beautiful. My heart And broke. heartbreaking. Yeah. And I cannot explain how much I loved that writing. I... The back and forth... Oh, go, Raquel, go, you have words. I'm so sorry, I cut you off. No, you didn't, because all I want is for you to say what's in my heart. So I love... They've done this with Soyul as well, but I want to focus on the Crown Prince uh, specifically. I love that they did not make his unrequited love for her a villain arc. They did not make him pushy or gross or problematic about it. They did not put him in there to add conflict and be rejected and get revenge. They add, he is such an interesting character because we have Seoyol, um, who is similar. It's not the beginning of his villain arc that he is not loved back, but that's expected with him because he is also intelligent and classified as the good guy and, you know, he, I, I just didn't really see him going down a villain path. They made a somewhat gray character with the crown prince where we don't really know what his motivations are and what would happen with his motivations if he is told no, because he's in a place of privilege and power and not really being told no very often. And we don't know if that kindness that he shows to Mudok gets torn away as soon as she rejects him. And technically, we still don't know one way or another, because like you said, this might be the final rejection, but they've built a character that it doesn't feel like that, because the way that she expressed the rejection and the understanding, and he was still worried for her and he was still concerned 
but he wasn't going to control her in the moment. He wasn't going to play the, well, I am the crown prince card, and he wasn't going to stop her. And that was really beautiful and lovely that a person who's in a, like, a position of power and doesn't get told no was told no, and we got a moment of acceptance. And it was so heartbreaking because, because of that, because you, you almost, like, it almost feels better when the guy who gets told no turns out to be a jerk and you're like, fuck yeah, but it doesn't. <laughs> Because we love him. And they they gave us a character to love that is complex and weird. And we don't always see his it, what he's going to do coming. But he, I don't know. I, lo- I He's the best character. I love that dude. He's the best character. And I feel like this was a masterclass in writing for Korean dramas. Where I can't imagine any American show that's kind of my only other basis. I only really watch American shows or Korean shows. I can't imagine an American show pulling off a scene that's just about honey biscuits in such a clever way that has so much context and so much undertone, where these two characters instantly understand that they are not talking about the biscuits. They are talking about their love for one another and her being like this is as much as I can give you and him saying I need more I cannot accept this tiny bit of you because it will just leave me starving for more like you can't write that in American dramas it would sound so stupid it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen this is why I watch k-dramas because they get it and I get it and I feel smart for that I'm watching poetry, and I love it. I love it. Oh. I love it. Oh, I love him. He's the best character. I love him! He's the best character! And now I just, once again, had a moment of, and he doesn't have main character armor. (sighs) He's not gonna die. He can't, right? He he can't. He still has so much- Mudok's gonna be his dad now. Yeah, he has so much bromance to live for. Yeah, (laughs) Mudok is- (laughs) Look at me. I'm your dad now. I'm your dad now. I guess if she's his dad, that means he's dead. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Do it for the bromance. Live for the bromance. Yeah. They they made him out to be a villain in every possible way. With Jinmu being his mentor, with him being not the legitimate son of the king, with the presence of the king star on Jonguk's birthday. They gave us every reason to hate the crown prince and every reason for him to turn against the protagonists of the story. And maybe, like you said, maybe it'll come and it'll break us all. But I just feel like they have built him to be his own man, where even his conversation with Jinmu, the classic every drama moment of the advisor whispering in the leader's ear and being like whispering this little evil plan of like, we'll get the ice stone and we'll live forever, my king. And the (laughs) freaking crowd friends is like, I don't know, maybe like he has, he doesn't have the straight up no moment. He doesn't have the like, you please stop Jinmu. You sound very evil right now. But he also doesn't have the moment of like, that's my greatest aspiration. Like, I want to live forever. You kind of think that maybe he's at least mulling it over. But maybe he's like, I don't care for immortality. I'm good with what I've got. Let's destroy this ice stone. Like, I don't know what's in his head. I won't speak for him. But he's at least thinking it through and talking with Jong-uk still. He's not completely icing him out and being like, I am going to find the ice stone and live forever. And Jong-uk's nothing to me. Like, Jong-uk is like, let's find your mom and don't let these people betray you. And I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm a mess now. I just think they've given the crown prince so much to be evil for. And yet they've consistently written him as his own man, where no matter what anyone else thinks he should become or writes him into a corner to become. He's like, no, no, no. I have my own opinions, honey. I have my own thing that I'm gonna do. It's amazing. Yeah, I like to imagine his lack of shooting Jinmu down 
almost, and I am, it's very hopeful thinking. Again, they could take him away at any moment because they have not committed him to any past. But there is a part of me with the bromance that they've been building and just the little moments they give us of him being a good person, not just for Mudok, but just generally saying the right thing and being like a solid dude, that him not saying one way or another to Jinmu is his way of of understanding that it is dangerous to say no to a man yes. with a powerful artifact. And he knows being the mentee to Jinmu, he knows that that man is capable of some shady shit. So it would be unwise to play his hand and say exactly what's on his mind. I, I'm so hopeful that he's got right? this in his brain that he's like, there's no way that this plays out well for me. If I say something now, I have to wait until the cards are more firmly in my hand. That's fair. I see that. Especially with him getting more and more suspicious of the queen and kind of more firmly becoming a protagonist. I could see him being like, I gotta keep my cards much closer to the chest. I can't be like Mudok being like smiley when she's going to her death. Yeah, um, poker face, hun. Let's work on it. <laughs> he's, he's playing his cards right. He's on the, the good guys team. I'm pretty sure. Uh, this is not just hopeful thinking. It's definite. Please let him be a good guy. <laughs> Please let him be a good guy. I just want everybody to live. Just kidding. I just want Jungkook and the Crown Prince to live. That's it. That's it. That's really where we're at. <laughs> um, That is all my thoughts on this show. I'm sure we missed so much. We missed so much, and we have done a very long episode, because I think we've gone about an hour now. <laughs> so uh, maybe of just oops yeah of just episode not counting pre-show chat so it's been you've been with us for a while if you're still listening <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our super quick version of our outro just for you guys yeah we're so good at it now if you have any thoughts that you want to email to us you can reach us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on your favorite social media platforms we are on instagram at playonkpodcast on the app previously known as Twitter, at PlayOnK, or on TikTok at PlayOnK underscore Emily. Yeah, we also have our website where you can find our episodes, uh, check out our affiliate links, and you can sign up for newsletters. That's all at PlayOnK.com. We are on all of your favorite streaming platforms. You can leave us a rating and review. That is the freest and easiest way to get our podcast known. Yeah. Uh, did we do Patreon? I'm so sorry if we didn't. No, I skipped it. Okay. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash playonk. You can also find links on our website. And that is the monetary place that you can support us if you're interested and you get a little bit extra episode when we do a pre-show chat every week yeah it's super fun check out all those places we would be so delighted to hear from you otherwise we will see you next week for the finale of alchemy of souls season one okay bye okay bye bye bye